0: For me, I've just really been thinking about what is it to love anyway in this situation. And I think it is to show up in an over-politicized situation because they are human.
1: Hundreds of legal asylum seekers are arriving at the U.S. border in El Paso every week, fleeing for their lives. As you heard on episode four of season one, The Border Wall, these families are on the run from extreme violence and poverty. Many arrive with nothing, not even the most basic necessities. The local community in El Paso has exhausted itself caring for these families for months. Resources are stretched to the breaking point, and more families arrive each day. What should our response be? We're tackling that question on this special bonus episode of Love Anyway. I'm Erin Wilson, host of the podcast and Preemptive Love's Senior Field Editor in Iraq. Season one has wrapped, but because of the urgency of the situation, we're releasing a special bonus episode to talk about what's happening on the border and how we can respond. Here's podcast producer Kayla Craig.
2: You're about to hear some behind-the-scenes audio from two members of the Preemptive Love team, Jen Meyerson and Matt Malcolm. On a recent staff call, Jen shared her experiences from the border, and we can't help but share her words with you and you'll also hear clips from Matt debriefing us on his time with asylum-seeking families in both Tijuana and El Paso. Before we begin, Jen does share some brief sensitive and disturbing information about what is happening to girls traveling alone to the border. Please listen with discretion. So we've been following the situation on the U.S.-Mexico border for some time. We've been listening and learning, but also quietly showing up next to the local friends who have been serving families here since long before the crisis made the news every day. The border is complicated. There are endless debates over how to protect it, who to let across it, and what to do with the current wave of asylum seekers trying to get in.
3: Authorities in Mexico have been struggling to accommodate the thousands of people awaiting entry into the U.S. after fleeing violence and unrest in Central America.
2: The border doesn't just divide Mexico from America. It divides Americans from each other. Border security is one of the most polarizing issues of our day. And while the debates over immigration are nothing new, the crisis is different from what we've seen in the past
3: numbers are at a record low year over year. I think that this month was a little bit higher than last month.
2: That's Matt Malcolm. You might remember Matt from episode four, the border wall. Matt has traveled to the front lines of the border crisis in both Tijuana, Mexico, on the Pacific coast, and more recently to El Paso, Texas.
3: What is significant though is that uh, family units, family units are coming over at record numbers.
2: What that means is that while illegal border crossings have actually fallen since the year 2000, the number of families showing up at the border has gone way up. And that's a problem.
3: Our process for taking people in who, whether they're seeking asylum or attempting to immigrate or even if they cross illegally, the entire system in the U.S. is based off of the, the assumption that these are going to be individual men specifically trying to do this.
2: The entire system, from how they are processed to how they are detained. Most families seeking asylum at the U.S.-Mexico border come from what we call the Northern Triangle region of Central America. That's Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador. This is one of the most violent regions of the planet, not in an active state of war. Many of these families are trying to escape gang violence, and what some of them go through just to get here is unimaginable.
0: A common practice among the girls who were running from gang violence, that they would travel alone because they would have a better chance of, um, of traveling by themselves and with a male or with a family member.
2: Jen Meyerson is one of our program managers at Preemptive Love. She's helped organize emergency responses for refugees in Syria and now for asylum seekers at the border.
0: Before they left, there would be these places in their home countries that would give them a contraceptive injection before their journey. Um, And they would be told, you will be raped um, and don't find back. Um, And this injection would help them not get pregnant. And being raped and receiving asylum would be better than staying. Um, however, now when these girls are arriving on the border, they're being turned away due to changes in policy. And they simply just can't keep up with, with, our, with our laws and our change in policy. And it's, it's a lot to understand.
2: So asylum seekers have no guarantee of being allowed into the U.S., much less being allowed to settle here. In recent months, the government has employed a sort of metering system requiring families to wait on the Mexico side of the border until their number is called. And some days only a handful of numbers are called, and these are legal asylum seekers caught between violence at home and uncertainty ahead. And the epicenter of this crisis is El Paso, Texas.
0: El Paso is said to have better transition centers and better immigration lawyers... So people are still going into Tijuana and other, and other parts of the U.S. border, but migration um, has significantly decreased in the outside areas as many are being directed to El Paso.
2: So once a family is allowed to present themselves for asylum, they're then transferred to U.S. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, which we know as ICE. These families are kept in detention centers that were meant to accommodate adult males. And they sit there and wait while officials determine whether they have credible claim to asylum, whether they pose a criminal threat. Here's Matt again.
3: In treatment in the ICE facilities has been reported to us as there's not enough place to lay down at night. There's no windows. The light's on 24-7. It's kept at like like super cold, like 60 degrees with no blankets uh, or just like the, like a space blanket. It's like this foil and it's really, it's way too small. It's really loud. Their shoelaces and their belts are taken and not given back. Non-prescription medication, even if you have a prescription, but if you don't have proof, the prescription is taken and not given back. Um, and then once you're with ice and you go through the experience I just described, you are released without context without further guidance, with a stack of paperwork that you don't know how to read. Um, And at best, the, the thing I saw at one time was somebody that, from what I could tell, was released directly from ICE, and it was a piece of paper that says, I don't speak English, tell me what bus to get on.
2: It's at this desperate point in their journey that we are stepping in. So when asylum-seeking families are released into the US, which means the government officials believe they could be granted asylum and that they do not pose a criminal threat, they are sent to stay with a sponsor family who takes care of them while they wait for their case to be heard. And sponsors are usually extended relatives or host families who volunteer to house asylum seekers all the adults are electronically monitored and they cannot receive public assistance but there is often a two to three day gap between the time that they are released and the time that they reach their temporary home which is often hundreds of miles away and remember they have almost nothing they might have spent their savings just trying to get here or their possessions may have been stolen along the way or confiscated while in detention And this is the gap where we are choosing to stand. We hope to provide up to 10,000 emergency backpacks filled with critical supplies for those who left everything they have in search of safety. And each of these backpacks is filled with so many things, reusable water bottles, non perishable food, socks, underwear, toothbrushes, so many things that you might need in this middle space. Each backpack is a lifeline to help someone get through their first and most harrowing days in a new and unfamiliar place. I know that many of us know how overwhelming it can be to set foot into a new place or a new country for the first time. It's hard to imagine what that's like to do with almost nothing. But the border is complicated, and the question is whether our love is bigger then what's tearing us apart? Whether it's possible to care about border security and the well-being of asylum seekers, whether it's possible for Republicans and Democrats, liberals and conservatives and people of all stripes and ideologies to show up for those in need. Again, here's Jen Meyerson.
0: I've just been really thinking about what is what is justice? Is it simply giving what someone deserves? because if so like i'm going to give them what they deserve they're going to give me what i deserve and it's just going to be this like cyclical pattern and then who determines what someone deserves is it the world powers is it those who are considered privileged am i the one who's defining you know who is worthy of mercy based on my on my fear or what i understand of a of a situation Someone once told me that your words and your actions or the lack thereof impact humanity. And I think so far in my career, I've put a lot of emphasis on my words and actions, but I kind of forget about the lack thereof or the things I have chosen not to do and how that plays a part in ending war. So I'm excited about this El Paso project because I think it could be easily something that we don't do. I think it could like fall into the lack thereof. And because um, there's, not, there's not bombs in Honduras, they're not running from like the worldwide threat of ISIS, but they're running from a threat of violence. And since our, our words and actions or the lack thereof impact humanity, for me, I've just really been thinking about what is it to love anyway in this situation? And I think it is to show up in an over politicized situation because they are human.
1: So what can we do? What we have always done, shown up for those fleeing for their lives. We're stepping into the gap, joining with local friends here in El Paso to provide emergency backpacks for 10,000 asylum seekers. We're asking you to help in one of two ways. Donate $40 to provide one backpack or pack your own backpacks with friends and get them in the mail by Friday, June 13th. On preemptivelove.org podcast, you can find a packing list with instructions. We can be the people who love anyway for our friends on the U.S.-Mexico border. Join us at preemptivelove.org podcast for the show notes for this episode, where you can read a transcript of this bonus episode, watch a special video from founder Jeremy Courtney, and learn with Diana Ostreich, Preemptive Love's key relationships officer, as she and her kids pack a bag for children reaching the border. You can also download an exclusive step-by-step guide filled with resources, including FAQs and ways to talk to kids about the border. And we recommend going back and listening to Episode 4, The Border Wall, where you can hear, in their own words, stories from real families on the border. While others wage partisan wars, we can be the people who love anyway. Thanks for listening to this special bonus episode of Love Anyway. Until next time, I'm Erin Wilson.